This episode of OutlanderCast is brought to you by MinuteWithMary.com. You know how you don't want to leave your house right now? Most of you can't even leave your house right now. Well, guess what? Minute with Mary items. That's right. You know, self-care. Do a little spa night at home, a little mask. Maybe throw in a little lipstick to fake it. Like, like you know, you got somewhere to go. <laughs> they are shipping to you. They're still shipping to you. It's my business that I run for my home in addition to creating these podcasts with my amazing husband. I love Thank to help you. people more feel more creative and confident when it comes to their makeup. And just for you, our listeners, I like to have a discount each month on one of my favorite items. And my favorite item this month is my 40 Epic Mascara. It gives you a really gorgeous um, deep dark black eyelashes it gives you a sense of uh, almost false eyelashes and let's be real when you are doing Zoom or Google Hangouts you want to look a little put together <laughs> right or else you're just going to click that video off thing if you've got a little mascara on I'm telling you it's going to make you look super fly super fly so if you want to fake it like you look fantastic but you're wearing jammies on on the bottom half of you for your Zoom calls head on over to minutewithmary.com slash discount and I'm going to hook you up with a 15% discount off my favorite mascara. I released you from your oath. You had the cost to save me. You should have done as I asked. I'd never betray your mother. No matter who asked. Agosti. Don't be afraid of Alaki. Doesn't hurt a bit to die. Providence, Rhode Island, Welcome to Outlander Cast is a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Sing me a song of a last song. Sing that last year. Is anyone else crying? <laughs> We're supposed to give the illusion that this is the intro. Sing me a song, and I like thought of a Myrta who's gone. <laughs> that is gone. <laughs> oh man, poor thing. Oh my god, she's actually crying, ladies and gents. Really crying here, real tears, not fake Hollywood no, tears. No, those those got no place. No in place this, in this place. in this studio. No, none. Holy smokes! Okay, guys, let's be real. If you're joining us online. 
Show me what some of your favorite emojis, what you looked like in the middle of last night's episode, at the end of last night's episode. Just show us some emojis, because I'm going to describe for you mine. First and foremost, Blake and I watched this episode broken up thanks to our children not going to sleep. Oh, yeah. Okay? No. (laughs) Everything's been crazy. We had a lightning storm. We had a straight-up lightning storm that lasted way too long. Okay, woke up the children. There was a couple pieces of big thunder. The whole entire sky was lighting up, even though it was, of course, nighttime. And um, come to find out, I found out on my Instagram stories, uh, while Blake and I were starting the episode, I was I was videotaping us. And I didn't realize it, but my little son was crawling behind us in the kitchen behind <laughs> us. So needless to say, our episode was broken up. And it was like at the most poignant moments that either the lightning storm was happening or the children were coming in and it still didn't break the fact mm-hmm. that we cried through you know what i mean like, like i i told like i said no matter what we have to like rewatch this episode right away because we didn't get to have like that full feeling that we needed but we mm-hmm. said how amazing that even with lightning storms and about four interruptions of our children because you know there was there was sex in this episode there was a lot of blood and fighting in this episode this occasionally our kids come in and we're like yeah you can like sit on the couch. It's fine. This was not an episode for a no. four and six year old. <laughs> no. And still, we were like broken. And just when you think you're broken, then you are like, oh my God, where's Roger? And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm, I can't. I can't. All right. So we're going to talk about this episode. But if you don't know me, hi, I'm very emotional today. My name's Mary. <laughs> my name's Blake. And I'm also very emotional, but not as emotional as Mary today, which is which is excellent. Uh, yes. Ma- Mary's Mary's on the mend today. She's not feeling so good. It's all good. She's not feeling so good. So everybody, uh, when you listen to this on the podcast or if you, again, if you're watching this on live, whether it's Facebook, Twitter or Instagram or YouTube later on, send Mary some love. She's muscling through some good stuff today. So uh just, you know, give her some love. And uh, it's an emotional time. I mean, we got the virus that shall not be named. We got Murta dying. We get, we don't know the, the fate of one Roger Mack. Uh, I mean, lots of stuff happening today. Yeah. The Tom Brady is on the, is hey, on the Buccaneers. I don't, I don't even care. I, I do. Care. I still care. Listen, there are two other more important losses that we need to discuss. But before we discuss it, of course, we wanted to welcome you. If you don't know that Blake and I do a lot of other podcasts, we do at maryandblake.com. And in case you didn't get the memo, there is no episode of Outlander next week. Nope. That's right. They're skipping. They just want you to feel like crap. They're letting you su- like simmer and suffer. Truth be told, they're having a marathon where you're able to rewatch episodes oh, well, and catch enough. up. Fair enough. So here's what I'm going to do for you. Next Sunday, mm-hmm. okay, okay, we're going to have peeps vote on what episode of Outlander we're going to rewatch that is available via Netflix. Because Netflix is allowing you to do this like watch party thing right now. Okay. And Outlander's... Can I already put my vote in? No. We don't like your votes. No, no. Can I put my vote in? I mean, you can vote in a poll. No, I vote for the battle joined. We'll see. Or or down the rabbit hole. One or the other. So... I th- is it seasons one through three? Or what, seasons is, one through three. Yeah, yeah, are up on Netflix. And even if you don't have Netflix, maybe you have the DVDs, or maybe you can, of course, access it through Stars. But we're going to do a watch party at uh, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern. You're really awake still? <laughs> Our son just creeped up. <laughs> come here, bud. Come here. Come here. Hurry up. <laughs> come here, babe. Come here. Why don't you go get your red chair, and you can come sit. And what? Co- no, and no come, say, come say hi to everybody. <laughs> 
come, come here. Come say you hi to everybody. Say hi. You can come say hi. Come on. <laughs> this is real life, right? This is this, be- ladies and gents, the beauty of live podcasting. So, so we normally, when there is no virus going on, have a babysitter on Monday nights uh, to watch our kids so that we can podcast. Bring it on daddy's side, little man. Right over there. There you go. Um, this is, this is what happens, right? I was thinking about all the famous people who like don't cook or clean for themselves. How interesting and how gross their houses must be right now. Unless like, (laughs) say hi to everybody. Here, speak into the mic. Can you, can you sing the sky boat song? Sing me a song. Oh, last that is gone. Save that last the eye. Mary of soul, she sailed on a day over the sea to sky. High five. Job. Good job. All right. Thanks, so, man. All right. Now sit down. Be quiet. I don't want to hear <laughs> oh, from you. Oh, I asked him to draw me a picture of a forest, oh, and he, he did. did it. Thank you, buddy. Why don't you take a little seat, okay? You Not can keep bad. drawing if you want. Not bad. All right. So sit down. Be Here. quiet. No. Sh- <laughs> you can go get your other pens if you want, okay? Okay, okay, you don't want to leave your family. Oh my god! After <laughs> after last night's episode, and it's hearing that—that's all I need to hear. Fine. Oh my gosh! With Jamie starting off talking about how he's older than his dad ever was, I was oh. like this. And Roger singing a Jemmy, saying, "Make sure you know the lyrics to Clementine." Oh my gosh! Needless to say, I was about to say, please join us at MarianBlake.com. We have a lot of other podcasts. If you need to fill your time, if you if you you know would like to check it out, we podcast about a lot of other things. Let's be honest. All you got is time right now. All you got is time. Right. So you could talk about the leftovers. We could talk about This Is Us. We could talk about the Gilmore Girls, uh, Game of Thrones with you. You can even go to maryandblake.com and read about uh, The Handmaid's Tale, which I'm doing a blog series, which I just put up a brand new episode to, I mean, brand new I mean, article today. I wouldn't really go for The Handmaid's Tale nowadays. Not very uplifting. Well, I mean, Gilmore Girls, though. All about the Gilmore Girls life. We did our 10 favorite episodes of Gilmore Girls, plus the latest season on Netflix. So I'm very happy about that. As a matter of fact, uh, Gilmore Girls was the first show that we podcasted about in our brand new studio uh, that we have right now oh. that we're in. That was the first show we podcasted. Look at about that! In so this speaking brand new of podcasting, we're going to dive deep into episode five hundred seven. Hold on tight. Here we go. <laughs> Break it on down for me. Tell me a little bit about the details of this episode. Sure. The episode title was The Ballad of Roger Mack, which is quite funny, only because Roger didn't really appear a whole lot in this episode, uh, except for kind of the beginning and obviously the end, which I have a great outlandish theory about, by the way. I actually have have two, like, grade A outlandish theories for today. So I'm, ex- I'm very excited about that. Uh, the uh, writer was Tony Graffia, who is uh, one of the, the main writers of the show. Uh, last season served as basically co-showrunner. This season seems to have taken a little bit of a step back uh, from that um, from that position, where it seems like it's more like Matt's uh, Matt's boat that he's running now. Uh, but Tony's still writing a lot of great episodes here, and she's written quite a few episodes of Outlander, uh, starting back with Rent, The Devil's Mark, The Watch, La Dame Blanche, Faith, Dragonfly and Amber, Of Lost Things, Freedom and Whiskey, Eye of the Storm, America the Beautiful, The Birds and the Bees, Man of Worth, Between Two Fires, and obviously The Ballad of Roger Mack. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, she, uh, Tony, actually served as one of the main writers for Battlestar Galactica, which was um, 
Ron's show, uh, a wildly successful show before Outlander, uh, which kind of, I mean, aside from Star Trek, uh, really thrust uh, Ron Moore into the like elite showrunner uh, in the world category. So uh, Tony is a big time writer, uh, and we'll, I think we'll get into her in a little bit. Um, but yeah, this one was directed by Stephen Wolfenden, who directed uh, The Fiery Cross, Between Two Fires. Oh, he also directed Man of Worth and obviously The Ballad of Roger McMary. What are you giving for the kilt rating? On this this one? one is a five plus. It's a five plus. Five plus. Oh even as I said, even with a lightning storm and the kids waking up and all chaos throughout the household, this episode had me from beginning through end. There was nay a moment where I was pulled away, where I was distracted by something, aside from washing oneself in a river. Uh, <laughs> but that was like a totally okay da- distraction. Dare I say... Uh, <laughs> oh, 100% this horse, this this episode was not just like a, a horse, yeah. but like, what's a group of horses called? I'm... Uh, 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 people here will know. Yeah, I don't. People I don't online know. will know. <laughs> what is the plural of horses? Uh, like a like a pack, not a, a pack, pack of horses. A pack of horses. A herd. It's a herd. I don't think it's a herd. That's like a herd of cattle. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. Everyone that's watching, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yes, five plus one. Probably, my, I think my favorite episode out of the season five episodes so far. It's people are saying it's a herd. Yes. If, yeah, it's a herd. It's a herd of horses. That's right. I took veterinary science in college. <laughs> I, I am happy to report after many, many a pony for season five and even really season four, I'm happy to report that this is in fact a horse uh, on my on my behalf. And in fact, I'm giving it a four, nine, nine. Oh. Which... It is not quite a five. Not quite a five. But pretty much. I mean... Mm, here's what Pretty I'll say. Here's five. what I'll say. I'll 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 go five, but it's not a five plus. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's um, fair. I, so I'm teetering between four nine and five. Okay. Um, it's the first time I've actually cried in Outlander since Down the Rabbit Hole, which is why I'm voting for that one. Um, and it's probably the best episode of Outlander since the battle joined. Um, and that is that's pretty high praise in my book. That that is that is exceptionally high praise. Seeing that that was the battle join was the last episode written by one this Ron Moore. This episode was so good. So I'm I I am thrilled. I am thrilled to say that I was I was really happy with this episode. Agreed from the beginning. Agreed. All right, what's your GBG? Okay, so my good, my bad, and my great for this episode. Now, those of you who are loyal fans of myself and Blake, you know that when the episode is five plus, you don't do a good, bad, great. You do a good, great, best. Yep. So, my good for this episode was the entire interaction of Jamie taking the coat off and throwing it on the ground. And really what that means and what it's setting the stage for, just the whole coat interaction in general, whether it's being given to him or taking it off, I just really loved it. I loved seeing Sam's acting. This entire episode, I think all of the actors did a phenomenal job, but really like we were there with him. We were peeling that coat off with hatred, with grief, with agony as like tears of our own are streaming down our face. We all as viewers wanted to take that red coat and throw it on the ground with him and I loved that. So that was my good. Yep. 
My great was actually Roger's interaction with Morag McKenzie. Mm-hmm. Um, and wow. I had, yes. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's the great. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I loved it because this is sweet, sweet Roger who's so excited to bump into this very distant relative of his yet again and to know that she's there and she's well and the goodness of Roger you know of course like people haven't necessarily been able to see him but this was like Roger has such an amazingly sweet sweet heart and there he is telling her like what are you gonna do you need to be safe you need to get away from here if you ever need anything come find me on the ridge like he's just so happy to see her and the love that he had um just for this very distant relative what I I loved it. I I will say this. It wasn't as poignant to me on our first time, Mm -hmm. probably because our children were waking us up a million times. (laughs) But the second and third time, it just really, uh, it just hit me. And I I just was sitting there saying, God, Roger, I adore you. I Mm -hmm. adore you. And I adore your sweetness. And I'm sorry for what happens to you. Um, And then my best was Jamie asking Claire to sing Berta. When he comes oh, in, yeah. Oh my god, I'm gonna cry. Oh, this is when I really oh. lost it. Like, oh, yeah. I was sad when he was shot. I was sad when he was saying, you know, it. It doesn't hurt to die. Mm-hmm. Like, all of that. But there's Sam. No, Sam. There's Jamie putting Marta down, saying, "Claire, save him." And he's running around the room, saying, "What do you need? You know, save him." And she's he's getting all of Claire's like beloved stuff because he knows Claire. He knows what tools she needs. Mm-hmm. He knows she has all this stuff, and he knows where it is. And he's going and he's grabbing it, like just trying oh. to like help her to do whatever he possibly can. And right then and there, we're all Claire. You know what I mean? And that's what this episode did. Like this episode in these moments, I stood there in different people's shoes. I stood there in Morag's shoes being like, Oh my gosh, this guy is so sweet. He really helped me out. Like God, I was, I was there in, in Jamie's shoes. I was there in Claire's shoes. And those moments really, really stood out to me. And that is by far where I cried the most mm-hmm. is I was sobbing for Jamie as he's trying everything he can to beg his wife oh. to save. His Godfather. I, I don't release you. I oh my God, that was. I'll admit. I mean, I cried obviously during the whole the whole the whole death scene. But you're right, Mary. When that that look of desperation on Sam's face as he's playing Jamie and all the things that he's doing, man. I mean, br- like brutal yes. stuff. Like brutal yes. stuff. Um, How about you? What was your GBG? All right, you ready for a big surprise? Re- yes. All right. So here's what I'm gonna say. I'm officially gonna tack up to five yay i'm officially gonna ta- this is okay that's it that's the official Here. take you know what Slangeva. welcome Slange. to the club um the official take is that it's a five uh only because i'm listening to mary talk about it and you know what yes absolutely it is a five not a five plus not a five plus but it's a definitely a five um all right so my good and here's here's the surprising take this is this is a take for the ages. And you know what's fun is that you and I don't even like look at our, each other's GBGs. No, we people don't. wonder. We don't we don't talk about the episode. Yes. Like we don't know we, we watch don't. it. We <laughs> don't. I mean, we'll say like, hey, what'd you think? It was good. Like I always say to Mary, yeah, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it. That's it. That's all I say to As her. As we're both sobbing. Last I night know. we were like, Yeah, it was good. You kept an eye on it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you did. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, he did, rather. All right, so here's my surprising take. This is a take for the ages. You ready for this? Ready for this? My good? Tim Downey. Yeah, yeah. Cho- choke on the white claw. On choke white on the claw. claw. <laughs> Hold on. Tim Downey. The, the, the bloke that you've been making fun of. The guy that season. I just wanted to punch in the face. 
all season. Hey, careful. Oh, well, it's okay. He's fine. He's fine. He ain't, he's drawing. He ain't listening. Um, the guy, Colonel Fraser, that, that guy is my good. And he was good because I really believed him. And I loved the way that he was dictating the letter to his, his, his little, his little henchman there. And I loved even more, even more the way that he was fighting with Jamie towards the end. Mm -hmm. He just had this arrogance about him. He had this ugliness about him that was just spectacular in every way. And when I look at Tim Downey and I see what he was doing, I kind of get it. I kind of get why they like, I feel like they, they brought him in for this particular scene. He just has that arrogance about him when he makes Jamie, well, that makes him, but just kind of heavily suggests that he put on the coat. The whole interaction with he and Jamie was on point in every way. Loved it. Uh, the bad, uh, the bad here, the the bad the the bad that prevents it from being a five plus for me, because you know Mary, a five plus has to be a transcendent episode of television, uh, regardless of context, regardless of the show itself. A five plus for me has to be, wow, this one I'm gonna I'm gonna remember among all of the other episodes of television I've ever watched from any other show. Um, and it's not to say that I won't remember this one, but the one that prevents it from being transcendent is the obvious gotcha moment at the end of the episode with Roger, the hanging, um, where it was like, okay, Roger, Roger just got hung. Looks like he's dead, but there's a bag on his face. Tune in next week. Sorry, no, tune in two weeks from now to see if he's really dead. Come on, man. Like, don't take away from Myrta like that. They're just... And if you're going to do me dirty like that, give me, tell me whether or not it's R- Roger or not. Just tell me. And what, like the preview for next week? No, no, just tell me. Just tell me straight up, like show Roger hanging if it's really Roger. Like, don't do me dirty. And I feel like I was done a little dirty at the end of the episode. So having said that, uh, that's my that's my bad. Uh, but the great, the great is obviously everything with Mirtha um, and Jamie trying to save the, his life, uh, everything that went on with Claire, everything with trying to drag him to the hospital, click crying out, help me, help me now, um, all of it. The interaction between, between Duncan and Sam, um, just all of it with, with Murta's death was just exquisite. And it was exquisite writing. I'll get into it a little, with you in a little bit more why I really loved it. Um, but not only that, I think it's a tie for my great, which is Jamie wearing the red coat. Mm. Jamie wearing the red coat is one of those moments of television that I will never forget. Yep. I will never forget him putting on that coat and looking up and and the level of disgust and anger. The coat had to make it as like one of the GBGs, right? Absolutely. Yep. Um, that is one moment I like, I, I'll never forget. Um, the battle joined when like Blackjack reaches out to touch Jamie. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of those oh, things yes. that just like that 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 just yep sticks in my brain. Yep, and the red coat with Jamie will always stick in my brain from from now till the day I die. It, that was just one of those 
really cool, surreal moments in, in Outlander. So, uh, so that's that. Um, so Mary. Yes, love. Uh, I'm going to say this. This is not, uh, this is not a, a nuclear take. Okay. But this, this is, um, I feel like this is for, for a lot of book readers, this is a, this is a red hot magma take. Uh, this is exactly why you keep Myrta alive. This, like, you need Myrta alive in order to get this kind. And, he, and he's dead. Well, no, you kept him alive, like, okay, after the you're Battle of Culloden. saying this is why Myrta has been alive up through midway season five. Yes, absolutely. Okay. This is, this is <laughs> well, I why. I feel like we need to clarify. Oh, sorry, yeah. Because Myrta is gone. Claire, Claire doesn't have anything in that little black bag that's going to be bringing him back. Yep, yep. So... This is why you kept him alive, um, because it gives real emotional push to what happens with the regulators. It mm-hmm. makes the story worth telling. Um, because I'll tell you this, and I want to get your opinion. Okay. As they're as the the battle is going down, um, you know, like okay, it was it was adequately directed. Like I knew where I was. I knew the geography of the battle, but there was nothing really spectacular. There's nothing really special about the battle. Uh, per se, it was just it was shot competently. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about anybody. I didn't care about anything that was happening in between, the battle. In the battle between any of them, I, I just didn't care. Agreed. Um, it, the only time I actually really cared was Murta and Jamie, and this is exactly why you kept you should keep him alive to fulfill this kind of moment. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? And did you not care about any of the things or any of the people that were happening? Honestly, if I were to have a bad, which of course I didn't because this is my good, great best for being a five plus. If I were to have a bad, it was that one moment where um, the red coats are rounding up everybody and they were like in this circle and they're kicking them in and it's just like slow motion with with bear's song and and everyone's like Mm slow-mo and i'm like i don't know you i don't care about you don't care about you i'm sorry it was it was extraordinary filmmaking in regards to it being a battle and it was extraordinary filmmaking and seeing it how um you know how the beginning of pretty much like the revolutionary war kind of battles begin you know where it's really you know you have this official redcoats walking marching on in and doing mm-hmm. their okay everybody shoot and really the the rusticness that happens in the woods but i didn't care about them and we had a few lingering moments on these nobodies and i was like it stinks it stinks i mean battle is battle you lose people and mm-hmm. you lose and this is someone's you know fictional nephew and son and f- husband and everything um but i would agree that that there wasn't the same emotional worth in the show mm-hmm. if they did not have Murta there. So I am thankful that he was able to be woven in such a poignant way to give us all of these feels. I will say that because we lost Murta in this episode, I did not cry the way that I thought I would have cried about finding Roger hung um, because I had already like lost all of the tears on my face Due to Murta. Yeah, but I, I feel like... They still it, kept coming, but I didn't have the moment that I thought I would have had. Okay, so you want me to do my outlandish theory right now? Do you want me to just do it, or do you want to wait till you the end of the episode? You can go for it. All right, because you know what? I feel like they were being pretty transparent about this. And so normally, everybody, we wait till the end of the episodes to, um, to talk about the uh, outlandish theories. But here we go, because I have to do it. 
All right. So as um, as it relates to Roger, here's the deal. I feel like they're being pretty transparent. <laughs> I feel like they're pre- they're being pretty transparent about Roger's death or what would you would assume to be Roger's death. Uh, and I think there's no way. There is absolutely no fracking chance they are killing a character off like this off screen. It's not going to happen. Not even Game of Thrones killed a major character like this off screen. It didn't happen. And Game of Thrones is a show that would have done that. They did it. The only time I remember them killing a character off screen that was like somewhat important was Serial Pharrell, you know, at the, uh, in, in season one. Other than that, and he wasn't even all that important. Other than that, he there's no way they're killing Roger Mack off screen. I don't think they're doing this off screen. I think this is what happens in the next episode. No as way. we've actually had for I think that there was this whole chunk of time where we didn't get to see Roger's perspective. And we've done this with Roger before, where we had an episode showing what happened in his timeline before. Yeah. I'm pretty sure what's gonna happen in the next episode is we're gonna see what happened to Roger? Like, we just need to like deal with this grief and understand what's happening. Sure, sure. And I then mean, I in think the next an... episode, we're going to be seeing the horrors of what happened to Roger. I think there's an argument to be made there that that you're definitely saying, Mary. I think, regardless, it's disingenuous of the show to to do what they did, even if they do plan on going back and showing you what happened to Roger. Um, they had to do. I don't see that was disingenuous. I think that because. Murta's death was there. It wasn't as poignant. Sure. Well, I guess here's here's what I'm going to get at. Here's the here's the outlandish theory of it. All. Okay. Yeah. Number one, um, we will see that it's either another person, like he Roger got knocked out with the and Buck was the one who knocked him out. We'll see that it's either Buck wearing Roger's coat in battle, or we'll see that it actually is Roger. Roger is really hanging. And, but the problem is that you have is that you see the British troops leaving and you are to assume that they're the ones that hung all the different, all the, all the prisoners. And because they're leaving, it makes you think that they're leaving and they're leaving shortly after hanging all these guys so that Roger hasn't been hanging there that long. So because of that, I could see a scenario where Roger didn't necessarily break his neck. Uh, and I can also see an, uh, a scenario I mean, he's where he's holding right there. Right, we got to see his hand up. Right, so I could see a scenario where he's only partially asphyxiated, and he's not. Maybe he's just like passed out. He's Ugh. not actually really strangled quite yet. Um, and next episode, mm-hmm. we'll see a scene where he like kind of like moves, and everyone's like, "Oh my god!" You know, like uh, R- Roger's dead or I, Roger's not dead. But no matter what, as I said, they needed to focus on this battle. They need to flush it out. We need to like. We needed to have this episode allow us to be in the battle perspective, yes, with Murtaugh's death, but because we need to feel Jamie's fire. Yes. We need to see him taking off the red coat saying, enough's enough. Yep. Not cool with this anymore. And uh, see this change, this dramatic... I mean, we already know what side Jamie's on, but he's had to play nice, right? So we've had to... I think we had to saturate ourselves in this, whereas if we did the two different storylines together, we wouldn't 
have had the same feelings that we would have had. It would have been too jarring. I think we had to be completely focused in this episode, especially because they gave it to Myrta's death. Yeah, sure. We had to be there. If we were pulled out and in whatever was going on, we may not have had all of those moments. Absolutely. Um, so I think that, that they've had to, they did this on purpose so that each one, it does stink. You know, party was like, oh, could they have just had like, you know, where's Roger? And then cut. Yeah, or or you see the hanging guys, and you see Bree and um, you see Bree and Jamie and Claire walking up, and instead of showing like the Roger with the with like the coat and the white thing that the white flag, um, you just show her reaction. You just show Bree's reaction. You don't you don't sh- close up or any on anything. You just you see her reaction, and you can imply that it's Roger, but not necessarily. Um, and mind I, you, I this episode it, is called The Battle of Roger Mack. Yes. I agree. And again, which is kind of funny because, like, sure, Roger's in it and Roger does what he does. Um, and the ending does imply that Roger dies. But they don't really they don't really address it. I mean, the guy's wearing a bag on his head and it's just, it's just a little, it's just a little bit of a gotcha moment. And it's just, and I just don't like that. I don't like the tune in two weeks from now to see if Roger really is dead. I just, I don't like that. And and that's the thing. Do you want my other uh, outlandish theory or do you want to wait? Bring it on, babe. Bring it on. I got a secondary theory that the title card, the title card of when they're showing the guy or the guy playing the guitar, because it is a guy, it's man hands. Um, <laughs> it's man hands. Man hands. Um, and it, the, the writing of the, the, the musical notes and everything. I got a theory that it's actually Roger in the future. And that Roger is alive, doesn't die, and makes good on the promise to take Bree and Jemmy back to the future. And become a composer? No, he just he, he's there and he's thinking about his time. A composer who takes his time to write two whole notes? Yeah. <laughs> no, but either way, I feel like that's what's going to happen. B and then A. <laughs> and, then, and then F major. <laughs> that's a chord. Whatever. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I'm a podcaster, not a musician. You know, know that. Uh, so those are my outlandish theories, ladies and gents. I hope you, uh, you, I hope you like them. Mary. Do you know that the song Clementine is like wicked sad? Uh, no, I don't. But it's, and, and it whoa, 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 hold on, wait, 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 what? Mary. What? What are you, you going to give me? An interesting or are you interesting? Mock me. Please hang up and try again. Okay, so there you go. That's the official. Out- uh, those are the two official outlandish theories. Um, <sighs> so no, I didn't know that Clementine was actually really that sad. How cute is that, though? Again, we we talk about scenes versus moments. And this is one of those things where it really gives you insight and clarity on the relationship between Roger Mack and and Mrs. Mack. That whole that whole give and take about oh you know I'm gonna miss you Roger Mack and oh thank you Mrs. Mack the whole thing excellent stuff. How did you like their interactions at the beginning of the episode like that? One hundred percent amazing. One hundred percent love love. Yeah, they're real. They're really, really. Clementine, the song references North Carolina, by the way. Does it really? Yes. Oh, which wow. I found very interesting for a Scott to know that song. But I was like, oh, how poignant. So I also used to teach elementary music, and I was like, I know this. So it first starts off in a cavern down a pit can. Oh wait, in a cavern to buy a canyon, excavating for a mine. There lived a miner from North Carolina. 
Oh, and his daughter Clementine. Yep. Oh, wow. So I was like, oh, that's really like quite, quite interesting. Wow, not Um, bad. So. Yeah, not happy. Like most like songs that happen. I'm pretty sure someone dies in that song. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and someone dies at the end of the show. Yeah, but it ain't Roger, I'll tell you that. Um, I, even the stuff with Jamie and Claire, the real intimacy. We're talking this, about Roger oh, and sorry, Bray sorry, and Jamie. I, I, will, I, you know, I will defer to you. I apologize. I felt very authentic in those moments. I felt just like familial love. I loved watching Bree like just look at her husband stand in front of the fire say oh because that's what i want to do that's what i'm doing right now i'm sitting in front of a heat heater <laughs> a little <right> heater now. <laughs> i'm like that's exactly where i'd be i'd be like this house is drafty i'm standing with my booty next to the fire um but i love that that's i loved how he was like you know if i don't come back please you know remember these lyrics and sing them to jemmy for me um and how scared he must have been you know, he doesn't have any formal battle training. No. This is a history professor. You know what I mean? Like a sweet and loving musician. Uh, yes, he's, you know, he's, he's capable, but he has not had at all nearly the training that he needs to be going off and doing what he's about to do. And we all know, you know, it's not just you perishing in the field of battle, but you could be severely hurt and have issues that, you know, mm-hmm implicate you um that you know really could really change your life um so i just loved seeing that moment of that family and him sitting there thinking like this could be the last time that this could happen sure and breeze there ever optimist you know (laughs) yep (laughs) we've got this man we're gonna get it it's gonna be okay we're gonna do this um and i loved too the storyline of how brie She's so much her parents' daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, when she finds out the Alamance, and it, her memory, of course, is just as good as, as her mama's. <laughs> you know, like the Rolodex of, hello, do I remember that name, the Alamance, you know, comes back to her and fearlessly like she goes off. Yes, yes. <laughs> but at least that had happened just the week before. Yeah, that's We're talking true. about Bree's schooling from probably like seventh grade, yeah. you know, U.S. history if or something. That, you know, right? like, yeah. <laughs> um, but as I said, she gets, she gets it from her mama. Um, and she just goes off on that horse. Beautiful shot, by oh, the way. Yeah, excellent. Take stuff. it off on that horse by herself, fearless, knowing she needs to go and warn her family. Mm-hmm. And I loved seeing her talking with Roger in those moments with she and Roger and Claire and Jamie all there knowing we know something that no one else here knows. And this is what makes Outlander so special. You know, this this episode was just sprinkled with like, this is why you love Outlander. Mm-hmm. And this is why you love Outlander. Right. And here's a little bit of time travel. Not enough to make you be like, this is weird and I don't know what's going on. Just enough to remind you, these people know what's going on. And Roger says, I have to be the one that tells him because I am from the future. Yeah, I need to go me. tell Murta. Yes, right. Exactly. And there he is again, brave. Like, you're about to go into battle you're going to be marching into the enemy's territory to go warn Murta and this I, I love this about Roger you know what I mean he knows what he can do he knows what he is capable of mm-hmm. and he's willing to lay down his life for this family and I just this this whole episode to me like the theme of it was family sure so from start to finish you know, we, we talked about Jamie's dad. We talked about, you know, the Godfather and their relationships. Uh, we, we talked about, gosh, J- Jamie's mom. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? When, when Murta makes, um, you know, telling him, you know, I made this promise to your mom. Um, we're talking about Jemmy and just all these interwoven relationships that 
some of them are not able to continue past this episode. Mm-hmm. What is, I guess the theme for this one, what it would be, um, what, what does an oath mean? What does an oath mean to you? Or what does an oath mean to, um, to, 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 to family and to, to people, I guess, uh, because there's a lot of oaths here. Uh, it, it harkens back to episode 501, where it was, okay, what, what does this mean for all of us? What are we doing here? Uh, you know, whether it's Jamie's oath to the crown, uh, it's his oath to his men, it's his oath to his countrymen now, uh, it's his oath to Murta, it's Murta's oath to Jamie, it's Roger's oath to Jamie, it's Roger's oath to, uh, to Bree, I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of familial and uh, there's a lot of relationships happening here, and that's why it's spectacular. And it this is a professional episode of television. Agreed. Like this is, and and it's not to say that the others aren't, but I'm saying that this is. But a, this had the Outlander magic. This yeah, had. I, I think a lot of people have been saying, "Oh, Outlander's back," and mm-hmm. I'm not willing to go there. This yet. episode. Is my Outlander. Absolutely. Because there are so many things that make Outlander Outlander in this episode. Whether it is the Jamie and Claire relationship and the intimacy. Happy birthday. Yeah. Dude, sexy. Dude, Not going to lie. Like, like, can, can we do that? Can, can you sing no. that? <laughs> do, you, do you realize our son is next to us in this recording studio? That's Little how we end up getting the son. Little does he know. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, we the, the real intimacy, and it's not just physical intimacy. It's it's real intimacy uh, between the two. Uh, there's a little bit of time travel smattered in there, like you said, Mary. Uh, there's there's also this this notion that, dude, there whatever the whatever the um, implications are for time travel, whatever the results are, and the uh, consequences are of time travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, damn the torpedoes. We, this is where this is what we're going to do. We're going to try to stop and make talk some sense into Murta. And we're going to send Roger to, to take care of this. We're going to do it. So I really liked that. We had the relationship between Bree and Roger. We have some good fighting. And obviously we have the connection between uh, a character from season one uh, the only character remaining from season one, really. Yeah. Uh, Think it, about it. It's been Claire and Jamie and Murta yes. since episode one. Murta's the one that saved Claire from Black Jack Randall. Yes, exactly. Like, she met Murta before she even met Jamie. And mm-hmm. then he, of course, is one of the few... No, he is the only person who knows their secret, who knows uh, of their time traveling. Um, he's been with them through everything. He's been with them through France. He's been with them through losing a faith. He's been with them through through Jamie's rehabilitation. Um, he's been with them, gosh, through everything, through thick and thin. And even when they thought they lost him, here he is, came on back. He's gotten to meet Bree. Yep. Like, Lord knows he would have never imagined being able to meet their daughter. Got to meet her. Got to meet Roger. Yep. In this episode, I, I, I remember saying this actually for the battle joint um where this episode cashed in uh, i remember that the battle joined cashed in on a lot of the goodwill no i'm sorry not the goodwill but a lot of the emotional relationship chips mm-hmm. that had been established in seasons 1 and 2 it really it finally cashed in on it and it was terrific the same thing happens here um like 
I remember getting that 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 sinking, ugly feeling when Rupert died in the uh, battle joint. Yes, yes. Um, I got the same sinking, ugly feeling, but worse in this episode. Agreed. Only because I've now had four and a half seasons with Murta, essentially, to develop that relationship, not only between he and Jamie and Claire and Bree, but also with me. Mm-hmm. With me, mm-hmm. I, I've developed a relationship with Murta. Like, out of all the people, I, I would have never guessed it'd be Murta who who stuck around, and I feel that emotional about. Mm-hmm. Now, am I more emotional about Murta's death because of the relationship, or how Sam played that death? I don't know. Hey, either way, I don't know. It was either fantastic. way, either way, it was great. And when when I said that this is a real professional episode of television. I really mean, like, this was written... Oh, Dougal saved. Thank you, Tammy. No, but, no, no, remember, uh, Murta was the one The Garrison who, who, Commander, but yeah, yeah Murta's the one, I'm saying, like, episode one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right, it, Murta, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he's the one who knocks yeah. Blackjack Randall out. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, he, he right, does. Yeah. Um, when I say that this is a real, like, professional episode of television, the writing here is exquisite, and it's not just because, oh, it's it's sad that Murta dies, or, oh, it's sad that Jamie freaks out. No, no, no. There are some specific things that are put into this episode of television that are incredible. And the ver- the first one that stands out to me is uh, not only Jamie's coat and what that means to the character, but really specifically, Jamie, what he does, telling those two boys, you need to protect yourselves this ain't hunting these people are out here trying to kill you you cannot hesitate you cannot make a mistake and just hope that everything goes okay you need to do what you need to do yeah and when that happens the kid actually does what he's supposed to do and what happens the one thing that jamie was trying to prevent this entire season as of he's television. running out there right looking for him furiously right. and he even says like i let you go you should have gone i mean and that's the thing is that we've all been feeling this mm-hmm. this whole season we've been like Murta, ship up to boston mm-hmm. go out west go go anywhere man just go to oak island you know yeah. like <laughs> you do can- anything go search for some treasure Oh, just don't stay here. And, you know, we all, of course, are from the future and we know what happens. And here he has guidance from people knowing. Um, And yet Myrta, Myrta's Myrta. You know what I mean? Myrta's a Scott through and through and Myrta is is stubborn. And um, he also, as he said in the previous couple of episodes, like, I don't have this family to fight for. This is what I have to fight for. I've been fighting against the Redcoats my entire life. I'm not going to stop now. I'm not going to wait right now. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, R.I.P. Marta. And not only that, not only is is Tony introducing these two kids for a specific purpose and then using them to fulfill that purpose in an exquisite way, but we also have this other ex- ex- exceptional writing as Jamie, I'm sorry, as as Murta and as Governor Tryon are reading the letter that Tryon sends to the regulators, yeah. there's this brief moment that it's showing Jamie his back on the field as these two are reading um, th- these letters. Mm-hmm. And it's Jamie solitary on the battlefield, Ugh. just looking out. And it this is this is a perfect visual storytelling idea. Mm-hmm. There's one end of Governor Tryon and the other end, it, it, the, the one end of Governor Tryon and Jamie's um, 
Jamie's uh, oath to Tryon, his his business with Tryon, uh, and fulfilling that uh, role within the militia. And then the other end, Murtaugh's reading his letter. And it's Jamie's oath to Murtaugh, the familial connection, the godson, godfather. Jamie is alone. Nobody else can feel this burden except Jamie alone to by himself. And it was such an exquisite moment. Like, I've been using the word ex- exquisite a lot, and I'm sorry, because I can't think of a is better it, word. Your, your crutch word right now? It's it, a quite exquisite word to have as it a crutch is. word. Um, it's uh, a phenomenal moment to have Jamie alone on the battlefield between the two, just briefly cut in between these two reading this letter uh, that is that is causing the train to move forward regardless of whatever Jamie does, regardless of whatever Tryon does, or regardless of whatever Murta does, this train's going forward. It reminds me of the reminds me of Breaking Bad. Nothing stops this train. Like that's what was happening here. It's perfect visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like perfect. I, I, I again, this is the best episode since the battle joint. And it's not even close. It's not even close. This is by far the best one. We get to see Jamie do one of the things that Jamie loves to do best, a little blood oath. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, it's so funny because, of course, seeing him slice his hand as much as he did and then, you know, go into battle. Mm-hmm. All I could think about was Claire thinking about those germs. <laughs> so much Corona. <laughs> she could just say, honey, why don't you just do like a little prick from now on? You don't you don't have to do that big of a gouge. You know? <laughs> <laughs> really yeah, don't need... A little bit of a prick. A little bit of a print Let prick me put there. a little alcohol on that wound. Let me uh, dress that on up. Um, but, you know, Jamie's having that quiet reflection. These are moments that I just adore with Jamie. And he's there. And he's, you know having some times to himself and he's saying a prayer and Claire's talking with him and ends up finding out that he's saying it to to Dougal McKenzie. Excellent. Excellent reference. Excellent reference. And because of course he was the war chief and that's who he needs help from right now. And I did, I did think that it was exceptionally fun that Graham McTavish who played Dougal ended up being a cameo in this episode. For those of you who missed it, uh, the gentleman who beats up Roger. Yes. Right. Who plays actually Buck, who is what Dougal's uh, son son with Galus. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, uh, I I like that bit of stunt casting. I, I think that was actually really cool. Especially because they kept the crazy in him. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just like fiery and a little, you know, you can't, you don't really know what's going on. Well, if you combine Dougal and Galus, yes, you will yeah, get, you're gonna get, you will get Buck. You're going to get, <laughs> you're going to get Buck. <laughs> um, the way that they introduced him was really cool. The voice. The, just the voice. And I remember hearing the voice going, wait, huh? What did he say? Get your hands off my wife. Yeah, or something like that. Whatever it was. And it reminded me of what Jamie says to Black Jack Randall. Yeah, or I'll be glad that you take, uh, you know, something like that. You take your hands off yeah. my wife, whatever it is. And then we cut. We didn't even get to see Buck. No, we not at all. We just got to hear Graham McTavish's voice. That, like, yummy yet scary <laughs> voice. Where you're like, wait a second. And you don't see it. And then we cut. We cut to a different scene for right. a moment, of course. Right, right. So, I really like that. I like the irony of Roger being hung apparently or being thrown to the wolves by his 
his own kin. Like, this is his family. This is Roger's ancestor. So some people don't know who Buck is. Okay, so, Galus, remember that crazy, crazy, was pregnant. Remember when she was like, I'm not Satan's baby. And she's like, being all over the witch trials. That baby was Buck. <laughs> okay? <laughs> that baby is Dougalin. Galus's baby is now grown up crazy Buck. That kid's, married a, to that kid's a special kind of crazy. Okay? And imagine, imagine being poor Morag. <laughs> oh my God. That poor thing. She was like, why did I get married off to this crazy man? Oh my God. But they are Roger's relatives. Because of, of course... Roger McKenzie is a descendant yes. of Galus yep. and Dougal as well. So um, there you go. He got knocked out by <laughs> by Buck. That's, by right. Buck. That's you know, right. You know what moment did make me feel a little awkward? Though? What's that? What's that? <laughs> when, when Roger was like, oh, Morag, how's, how's Jemmy? And she's like, oh, Jemmy's good. And he's like, cool. I've got my own son named Jem, Jemmy. Jeremiah as well, and she's like, okay. Wow. And for a moment, Morag is probably like, this guy's insane. Why is every man I ever meet insane? And he's like, oh yeah, it's a great name. And then they bonk heads, and he's like, hard heads ruining my family. And this is why it was, it had to be my great, just because he's like so preciously sweet and right, right. witty. Um, anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I just I digress. Can we get to some rumpy pumpy? We have to be very careful with our words because our little lad is in the studio. I will I will gladly talk uh, some rumpy pumpy with you. Claire and Jamie just laying in bed. I gotta tell you, they have had rumpy pumpy in all sorts of places with people nearby that, and they just don't care. I, I love it because, you know, whether it's on the boat, whether it's like in the grass laying next to fellow clansmen, like they just they just do what they got to do. Mm-hmm. Do what you got to do. Uh, okay. They just do it. You, all the, nope. All, nope. You can't whistle past the graveyard there. on that one. I went one. there. <laughs> yes, Mary I just, just quoted. Made it, you just quoted Descendants 3. Two. Oh, sorry. No. Do what you got to do. That's Descendants 3. Okay. Is okay. It? Wow. No. I deserve. No, it is. It was because. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got that yes. one because I just out Descendants <laughs> 2. <laughs> Descendants 3, that was For any 80s. of you of Disney Plus, go check out the Descendants trilogy. <laughs> You've got the time. You're welcome. Oh, um, man. If you enjoyed High School Musical at all, go oh watch the God, Descendants movies. Oh, my God. I can't movies. believe I just snuggle-togged you. <laughs> yes, you did. Oh, my God. Anyway, so... Um, wow, that was what bad. What were we even talking about? Um... You do what oh, you got to do. Rumpy Pumpy. Yeah, the, the Rumpy So there they are, just in these little like tents. We got to see a lot of shots of these tents. You know, it's just a thin cloth, and they're sure. all right next to each other, and there she is. Uh, she's pulling a whole like Marilyn Monroe. Absolutely. Way to go. Loved it. And I love how like she knew what she was doing. Oh, yeah. She's like, I'm Marilyn Monroe right now, and my husband doesn't even know <laughs> who Marilyn Monroe is, and I'm going to channel Marilyn Monroe's like sexiness it's kind it's kind of like that movie yesterday like the guy singing yes! all the beatles songs nobody else knew yes that's uh, what she did i knew i was gonna wear the beatles that's uh, what she did i knew i was gonna wear the beatles shirt for a reason i knew it was gonna happen she completely yesterday <laughs> yeah uh, marilyn monroe marilyn monroe she yesterday 100 100 <laughs> so um loved it and i loved their whole little conversations about like Yep, you're doing pretty well there. You're you're hanging in there, sir. And um, even the tender moment about him talking about his dad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I I love that that moment of mortality. 
uh, that he has when he's, he's looking at his hands. And by the way, it was the hand that was all messed up uh, that from Blackjack Randall. I loved, I mean, loved all of the indirect um, references to Blackjack Randall um, in this episode, whether it was the red coat that Jamie is wearing in every all the implied tension and yes. all of the, of the all the implied- red coats that have messed with him that have infiltrated his life in one way or another when this yeah. is just a guy who just wanted to live his life yeah. like a normal person on Lolly Brock okay yep. he didn't have big aspirations in life yep all, all of the implied stuff that that's with the red coat there I mean a Scott wearing that red coat that's been tortured by red coats that's the whole the whole culture of the Highlands being eradicated by redcoats. This guy is being forced to wear it. Um, but not only that, we have um, all of the stuff with his all the scars on his back uh, that's being shown as he's talking with Claire and doing this doing this call out to Dougal uh, at the same time. Uh, I mean, just again. <laughs> Man, really good stuff. I, I just, I mean, incredibly good stuff here. Um, so, by the way, can I can I also talk? Uh, I mean, we, we've we've really gone out, going over Sam here and his in, 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 inspiring acting. Um, and I, I'm not usually one to say, "Oh, give the guy the Emmy," blah 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 blah. But if they were going so far, if they were going to submit something for an Emmy, this is the episode for Sam Hewen. Um, I'm not saying that he would get it because I don't think the show is popular I enough. I mean, his pecs could get it alone. <laughs> Mary's like... I asked in that scene where she was kind of like petting his chest here. I was like, Blake, do you think he's flexing? And what did you say? I said, nope, he's just that jacked. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mary, I don't have pecs like, like that. Like seriously, like Like he's holding flex. his breath. <laughs> and then he's trying to talk like James Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> Who Sorry, just became Mary. Southern in my you, voice. What you got was man boobs. I apologize. <laughs> you did not get pecs like that. <laughs> <laughs> um so no can we just talk about katrina balf and what she did oh upon God. seeing the red coat on on oh, sam the acting without oh. words in this episode the facial expressions blew me away mm-hmm. on everybody there was not a person in this episode who i was like and you stink like yeah. you brought it down everybody brought it in this episode right yes but sam and kat like they both and Duncan. Oh, like, absolutely. 100%. Some of their most stellar uh, performances happened in this episode. And I agree with you. When when he's approaching her and she looks at him in that coat, she could have done one or two things. She could have done the reaction she did, or mm-hmm. she could have laughed. Like, what the? <laughs> yeah, like, what are you doing? <laughs> what? But she knows. She's been there with him as he's gone through so much. You know what I mean? Because of the red coat. Sure. Absolutely. <sighs> absolutely. Uh, so here is. Can another, we just? Can we do? Can we do? Can we have a moment? Yeah, uh, sure. What do we got? Before, because I know we're running a little, little long. Bear McCreary. Oh, Bear McCreary. Yeah. Bear McCreary's been playing a little, little under the radar in yep. this season, not in a bad way, actually, in in a great way. That um, you know, he's done his job. You want to draw this? Um, that he's done his job well. 
um, where he's been able to enhance the scenery, been able to enhance the mood. But in this episode, oh, yeah. he brought it. He was like, his orchestration was another character for yeah. me. And, and, and whether it was um, the, the subtle bagpipes um, that played throughout the episode or even calling back to uh, the theme from Culloden that was, um, or uh, Preston Pans that he used in seasons two and three. Um, really excellent stuff um, that he is calling back to. Again, it's not necessarily all about the acting or the writing. It's when you know, when you know and you feel something that has uh, an inherent meaning and then you can utilize that to put that meaning on top of something else. Um, like there, there's already something ascribed. There's already something ascribed to that theme. And here they are utilizing that theme to ascribe a certain feeling upon a brand new, entirely um, unseen moment of Outlander. And you already know what you're supposed to feel because of that music. Yep. yep. Uh, I mean, really, it, it, again, a professional episode of television. And not only that, I, <laughs> We as viewers already knew what was going to happen. I think I think anybody who is a smart and intelligent viewer of television, and most I would say nearly all of you out there, if you're listening to this, uh, you know, on the podcast or if you're watching this live on the various platforms that we have right now, mm-hmm. most all of you are pretty intelligent watchers of television. <laughs> Thank you. Blake. No, no, no. I'm saying, but you engage <laughs> with the you material. For your diagnosis. Okay. <laughs> no, you you engage okay. with the material on a level that I don't think is present in a lot of other television shows. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I think we all knew that Myrta was going to die. I think we all knew, at least historically, obviously, we we knew that the regulators were going to lose. Um, we knew all this stuff was going to happen, and we knew that Outlander had to give us something special to watch and it did it absolutely delivered on its promise that it made by keeping Myrta alive and it delivered on its promise of giving us quality television that we could sit through and feel emotional about and connect with on a character level that i think a lot of shows miss and to be honest it delivered on a level that it itself has missed in in seasons most of season four and some of season five and it it built up to this it built up to this one moment and i'm so happy that it finally did um there's one thing i want to bring up here actually uh about the hanging scene i was scouring some of the the interwebs about uh the hanging scene because i just felt like okay what were they trying to do and there was actually this great interview with sophie skelton on collider and um, they asked her about the hanging scene, what, what it was like. And her reply was when they were filming it. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, it's funny that you asked that, actually, because the location was pretty, tri- was pretty tricky in terms of not seeing the bodies early. It was quite an open plane in a field. And you could see the bodies hanging from the tree from quite far off. As a wife, as soon as I saw the bodies hanging from the tree, you'd be able to identify a husband. You would know his body shape. You would get that feeling. And you would know his clothes. You would know it was Roger straight away. 
So we had to map out where we were walking, asking the settlers, have you seen mm. Roger McKenzie? Have you seen Captain McKenzie? We had to navigate that so that we weren't looking at the hanging bo- bodies until Jamie calls Claire over and Bree sees them. And she just gets that feeling. Mm-hmm. And then when Brett, Bree sees the body, I wanted to play it as if she's just in utter shock. She doesn't want to believe what she's seeing. Mm-hmm. She's in denial, trying to process everything, but just numb and stuck. Uh, her worst fears have now come true. I guess, in a way, Bree would feel very responsible as well. Roger's in that time because he went back to that time and he followed her through. And he's stuck there because of Jemmy, really, and because of Bree's family. It was a brutal moment. And it was quite an image, to be honest. Seeing the men hanging from the tree like that, our stunt team is incredible. It just felt so real. It was brutal. And I, I wanted to bring this up because obviously she feels what she feels, but they really ha- took the time to map out where mm-hmm. Sophie and the characters were so yeah. that they wouldn't, it See wasn't it. obvious. Correct. Like, that's a very specific Agreed. attention and if to you detail. think about it, you know, if this really had happened, you know, there was so much chaos on the ground and they're really focusing on the soldiers on the ground. They're not necessarily looking up, uh, having people hanging. It wouldn't have been necessarily a normal thing going on right after this battle had happened. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's not like there are people all over there that are looking up at the trees for. So I agree. Watching it unfold the way that it did, you, it was very believable that yes. this is just how it all happened. And um, that's awesome to hear that, that they took the time and effort to really be able to do it that way because it, it came off perfectly. Right, right. Um, so I uh, so that's all I got for this episode. Mary, I, we're, we're getting here at, at about an hour four right now. And our little lad is still awake. So, yes. so we're probably going to have to... Uh, <laughs> Probably have to get the good thing, of course, is that we are going to be having a second episode this week, just as always. Um, Hopefully on Wednesday, if not on Thursday. And if you are not yet signed up for our complimentary texting um, service, where we let you know when that live video is happening, um, you can certainly get that. You just have to text the number eight ten ten with the word. Outlander. At Outlander. Oh, at The Outlander. at symbol, yeah. Outlander. Yep. Uh, also, as a reminder, we will be doing our After Doc episode. Or do you want to hold off on the After Doc until... I need after- to hold off. Yeah, we're, you know, we're going to hold off on the After Doc. So here's a reminder for all of you right now who are either live with us right this very moment or listening to the podcast. Mary and I have a special episode of Outlander cast called the After Doc Show. And you can get that at, at outlandercastclan.com. If you sign up at outlandercastclan.com, you can watch the AfterDoc show live after we produce an episode of OutlanderCast. It's something that's very personal. It's something that's very um, just Mary and I kind of shooting the breeze about Outlander and life in general. And it's especially important just to create community for all of us here at outlandercastclan.com to have that kind of connection with all of it, with, with each other and just to... You know, just shoot the breeze, man. Just have some fun. And you get to see a bunch of cat butt because our cat always knows when it's the After Doc show and she always joins us. So that's that. Mary, do you got any final thoughts and about this episode? I mean, she just, she just, the way she sits yeah, yeah. at the camera. We're I not actually showing you real weird, cat butt, yeah. but this is the way that she sits. Uh, you got any final thoughts about this episode before we let it go? I loved it. I loved it. And i um, not going to be able to rewatch it tonight because our little lad is up. Mm-hmm. Um, but... It, it's definitely a rewatcher. It is one that um, very poignant. I'm happy that it happened now, and I'm excited to see where the rest of the season goes. I, my final thought is that this episode was the first episode I think 
since the battle joined and maybe maybe down the rabbit hole where I was really excited to podcast about it. I was like I was genuinely ready and I I couldn't wait to to go live. I couldn't wait to get on into the studio and talk about I it. I know. And this will be the first episode since I think down the rabbit hole or the battle joined where I'm genuinely eager to rewatch it and enjoy it and take it all in. Um, it's the first one where I was like, wow, okay, these guys know what they're doing. Like they get it. And I understand what they're trying to do. Um, and even though I'm not as um, bullish on the previous episodes in comparison to this one, I'm still not in love with how they tried to slam in the fact that it was the guys from Brownsville who shot Morton from the back and he steps on the, on the, on the, on the, on the glass needle and breaks it. And, you know, that's obviously is going to portend very poorly for our characters. Claire's probably going to need it for something, uh, probably Jamie related or, uh, Roger related, uh, to help, help them heal. Um, but I, I'm very bullish on this episode and I'm very bullish on the rest of the season and where they're going to go. So I'm very excited about it. Um, yeah, let's do it. Let's close this bad boy out. You ready? Yes. All right, let's get it done. I'm sorry, Reese. Go ahead. Say it again. Say say it again. Thanks for listening, everybody. My mom and dad really appreciate it. And thank you for writing your podcast. And thank you writing for for. Podcast. For your podcast reviews. <laughs> yeah, we especially want to thank Caitlin8050, who said, Entertaining podcast. I just started watching Outlander this past summer of 2019 on Netflix. Okay. I have now upgraded to stars on Hulu, read all eight books, and listened to all of your podcasts. I drive around my city for work, so needed something to entertain me in the car. Your podcast has helped pass the time and enjoy Outlander more. I'm not someone who analyzes the show as Mary and Blake do, but it's nice to hear their thoughts and understand deeper meanings to the show. Oh, Love thank you, you guys. very much. Thank you very much. And by the way, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to partake in the listener feedback portion of uh, Outlander Cast, you can just go to outlandercastclan.com. Oh, sorry, go to outlandercast.com and you can email us there. You can send all your uh, all of your uh, feedback via the social medias. Just look up Miriam Blake or Outlandercast. Or if you really want to get in touch with the show, go to the engage button at outlandercast.com and you'll see a button that says a drop down that says voicemail. And you hit that, look for a button. Uh, once you click voicemail, it says speak pipe. And uh, you'll be able to utilize your computer's microphone or your phone's microphone or your tablet's microphone. And it sounds pissa. It sounds like you're in studio. And I want you to use that to talk to us and engage. That's, again, where we'll be doing the preview for next episode. And also, we'll be doing the After Doc show after the listener feedback episode. Uh, just because Mary's already muscled through an hour and a half of Outlander cast, so I'm very proud of her. And thank you to our patrons. Oh, good boy. What? Here they are. Here they are. 
We want to thank our associate producers, Angie, Candy, Carolyn, Celine, Christine, Don, Diane, Jeffrey, Jennifer, Marilyn, Maureen, Patricia, Sivan, Stephanie, and Valerie, as well as our co-producers, Amanda, Anley, Barbara, Dana, Janet, Keelan, Lori Ellen, Marianne, Meredith, Raynal, Sharon, Tina, and Whitney, as well as our executive producers, Anne, Bobby, Dee, Jen, Katie, Kirsty, Martha, Nadra, Peg, and Sarah. Truly everyone at OutlanderCastClan.com makes this possible. It keeps the clan going. It keeps the, the website going. We truly appreciate it. Hey, Reese, you want to hear something special? All the people that are watching us live right now, there are like hundreds and hundreds of people watching us right now. They all love you. They all they're they they're saying to me specifically that Reese, you are so cute and that you're amazing. And and they love your drawings as no, well. No, you don't even know what he's been drawing. Reese, can you can you say thank you to everybody? Thank you everybody for watching this Parvin episode. And listening. And listening to my mom and dad. Say that you draw the standing stones. I drew the standing stones, but as you you turn on the other side, turn on the other side, there's the real picture. Oh, oh, good boy. And also my most most famous picture that I drew of Outlander. Say, Say it's Claire and Jamie riding their horse. It's actually the Okay, so this is live podcasting, ladies and gents. You've been privy to it. Thank you very much for listening to us. Reese, just one last time, say thank you to everybody. Thank you, everybody. And uh, Thank you to the Outlander cast staff who yes. continue to pump out amazing blog content, keep the clan moderated, keep our social media channels and our newsletters rocking and rolling. You guys are the best. Thank you, thank you. And um, as a heads and up... have a wonderful week. Yeah, have a wonderful week. That is good. And wash your hands so you don't get the coronavirus. It is such a mean germ. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. My name's Mary. My name's Blake. And? Uh, and who are you? I'm little drawing guy, and I love to draw. What's your name? Uh, Reese Larson. All right, that a boy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. Good night, everybody. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.